The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, sponsored by Narconon Ojai. Hello, and welcome to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel. I'm the host for this podcast. My husband, Steve Siegel, is the producer for the podcast. If you have a story that you would like us to tell, please reach out to us. There are several ways you can reach us. We have a Twitter account. We have an Instagram account all under the name The Addiction Podcast Point of No Return. We have a Facebook page by the same name. Our website is theaddictionpodcast.com, and our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com. We also have a YouTube channel. Please remember also to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and please also subscribe to our YouTube channel. We really want to build that because we know that a lot of people like to watch videos rather than just listen to podcasts. So today's episode is episode number 171, and we will be interviewing kind of a, we've got kind of a different story today. Today we're going to be interviewing a gentleman named Ryan Skinner. Ryan is currently the co-owner of the Woburn-based Summit Financial Partners. His journey into and slow burn out of a hell of multiple addictions is living proof that with deep faith, the encouragement of loving friends, sponsors, mentors, and family, and an effective 12-step program, anything is possible. Taking full advantage of his second chance at life, he's building a successful business, taking care of his fiance, stepchildren, and perhaps most importantly, paying his reversal of fortune forward in many inspiring ways. In addition to being a sponsor to younger recovering addicts, Ryan speaks at high schools and gives regular talks about making changes and turning adversity into positives to those enrolled in a drug program. Let's talk to Ryan Skinner. Ryan, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I say this every time, but I mean it every time. I super appreciate you being willing to share your story with us. Yeah, no, it's an honor and privilege. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. So tell me, the way we like to start is how did you get started on drugs or alcohol? How did that start for you? My situation was a little strange because growing up, I had an uncle who was an alcoholic and um say at least he wasn't a good guy. So I never wanted to be an alcoholic or an addict. That was one thing I knew I wouldn't be. High school, I was a kid at a party who would dump some beer out, pretend he drank it. Towards the end of high school, I'd have a drink here, there. In college, I'd drink a lot. And, um, you know, I, I didn't drink all the time, but I knew when I drank, I didn't stop. So I wouldn't, I would, I just didn't drink. I had the discipline. I always knew I didn't want to be broke in life and I want to have some success. I get out of college. I start in the financial industry and alcohol is a big part of that industry. It's very acceptable to say the least. Next thing you know, I'm going and things get a little hectic and I'm still hanging out with kids and, and guys at that point that um, weren't exactly living the right way, but I looked up to the wrong people. I was very insecure. I had gotten in a fight. I wasn't a good fighter. Every time I fought, I broke my hand. So every time I get pain medication and I'll tell you, I remember loving it and not to a point where I was obsessed. I would use it because I knew the guys that were selling the drugs and stuff. I knew I watched people trade a Rolex for one pail of Oxycontin. So I knew that, you know, I didn't want to be a junk box. That's for sure. But next thing I knew, when I got those scripts, I would take them, but not for the pain. I didn't care about pain. I would take them on the weekends just so I felt more confident and have more fun. Well, fast forward a few years later, I had some bigger surgeries, and I got OxyContin. And now I remember what it did. I wasn't a victim. I was a volunteer. I knew what that stuff did. But I was going to be different. Who becomes a junkie at 25, right? Well, well I did. Next mm-hmm. thing you know, um, I'm loving those things. And when the when the, 
I got through the medical issue and they said, you know what, you're healthy, you're going to be okay, we're going to wean you down, you know, one every week. So I went from taking six prescribed a day, Oxycontin 80s, they were going to take me off in five weeks. Well, that doesn't happen. And at that point, I had two, two houses, a couple of cars, a lot of money saved because I had had a lot of success in the financial industry. What happened was when I got these pills, um, drugs and alcohol didn't do what they were supposed to do with me. They didn't de re like debilitate me. They enhanced me. I was I thought I was better looking, smarter. You know, I made more money. I had faster cars, faster girls. You know, I lived a fast life until it all you, took. I, sorry to interrupt, but you make me think of Wolf of Wall Street. And, and it was. <laughs> the only thing I didn't do was sell shady stocks. And had I been able to figure that out back then, maybe I would have. Um, I would always say my pride when I was, you know, going through stuff and getting sober, I would tell people, well, I never stole. And to be honest with you, I didn't steal money, but I stole people's peace of mind. When your financial advisor is, you know, I had one gentleman, I'll give you a quick example. Um, well, I'll get to it in a few minutes. But as for the progression, I started feeling better when I took these things. And, and next thing I knew, and I had the confidence to ask the girl my dreams out. Next thing you know, I'm engaged to the woman I'm married to now. The next thing I know, I'm starting to do some violent things, not to her, but outside and out with the wrong guys. And finally, she says, Ryan, I can't live this way. And she leaves me. Changes her number. I can never hear from her again. Um, it was 10 years between when she left and when I heard from her again. Mm -hmm. um, and so all the things that drugs and alcohol started giving me, and even after that, I had more confidence. I was living a fast life. It took it all away. And, and, and the, the, the good times, they weren't that good. They were just like on the outside good. You know, all the stuff I thought I wanted in life to be, people knew my name. I'd go to clubs. People took care of me. In financial, I made big money, what I consider big money. You know, it's, it's all relative. Like <laughs> next, next you'd be sitting next to a rock star. But the truth was, I was so, I called my dad once from Miami. I said, Dad, I'm so lonely. And he said, yeah, Ryan, you flew five people down on your dime, and you paid these people to be your friends. Go hang out with your fake friends. And uh, I was sitting in the bathroom crying alone. You know, wow. I mean, that's where he does. Wow. So at that point, what, what drugs were you taking? Um, well, pills. Just uh, Opioids. Opioids are my favorite. I mean, I would do – when I was at the, going out of control, I would do coke here and there, um, you know, ecstasy here and there. I'm, but – I, I didn't like those. I had enough anxiety. I need to add to it. Right. But for me and like stuff like that would just make me quiet and give me anxiety because I, ha I had, you know, I bipolar, I had ADHD. So that stuff didn't really bring me down. I bring me up. It just kind of leveled me off. This, but the opioids I just loved, you know, and, wow. and even when I hated them, I couldn't stop. Wow. You were going to tell a story of how it affected you job wise. Well, so at that time I was in Miami when I called my dad, um, I got a call from this guy, Bob. Bob says, Ryan, where are you? So I'm down in Florida. Why? I said, you know, I'm, I'm taking a break. It's a Thursday. You're supposed to be at my house. I said, well, Bob, I'll get there next week. He said, you didn't show up to my house. and You're down Miami party. And you think this is okay? I'm like, stop breaking. And I didn't, you know, stop breaking my cookies, Bob. <laughs> um, Bob was right. I owed it to him to show up to his house. I was the guy managing his money. Fast forward, when I was going through tough times, like I would just string him along when I was getting treatment because I didn't want to say, hey, I'm a junk box getting treatment. And then I finally got honest. I went out to see him and his wife, Lorraine. I said, guys, I didn't steal your money. I mean, obviously, your money's okay, but I didn't give you the, the respect of the time you deserve. I'm very sorry. For the rest of my life, I will work for you free. I will get your tax returns done. I will pick them up at your house, drive them, get them done, and then return them. I don't do that, but I'll find someone and I'll pay for it. You'll never have financial stress again. And through the grace of God, I've been able to do that. Now, when Bob was dying, this is a guy who at one point hated my guts. He's very Catholic, and he couldn't get Eucharist because I guess um, it has gluten in it. I don't know. But I found a friend of mine who was a priest who would get him gluten-free um, Eucharist. And wow. then fast forward after that, when, right before he died, he said, right, you know, I'm really glad that you, that you turned around because I feel confident leaving Lorraine, my financial stuff with you. 
And to this day, I mean, I just returned her tax returns a couple weeks ago, left her a mailbox because we couldn't see each other because of COVID. And she said, you know, you really on it? You're word, Ryan. And it's a, she's 87 years old and we have a tremendous relationship. Wow. So you're doing drugs. You're successful. You, you're making the money. You've probably got the cars. You lost the girl, at least temporarily. But what made you change? What was, you know, we, we always kind of look at, you know, what's the point of no return? And for a lot of people, it's like being homeless under the bridge. Um, what was yours where you went? Uh, I either get, I either get well or I, I die. Well, I wish I could tell, here's the thing with drugs and alcohol, you know, anybody who knows it, if they don't know it, here's a quick life lesson. The elevator is going down. You can choose where you get off. I didn't, I didn't make good choices. So my bottom was a couple of arrests. Then my bottom was business. I had to give my clients away because they were going to leave me anyways. So I gave them to people who I knew. And then next thing you know, I had no business, lost the houses, lost the cars. I'm on the street. I'm using toilet water because the Dunkin' Donuts sink won't work and I'm shooting heroin with toilet water. I lost everything. When I went to jail, I remember getting, getting arrested and looking at my friend who was the chief saying, Vin, you're not going to hold me. You wouldn't do that to me. He goes, Ryan, do it to you. You've been on probation. I've warned you. You keep violating. You're making me look horrible. You're getting drunk. You're getting arrested for fist fights. I got to hold your eye. At that point, I remember going, no, I don't have to fight anymore. And there might be a chance that I can get treatment or get guided or somehow this was divine intervention. So my bottom was on, on the streets and, and you, you know, my bottom was every bottom you could have. Okay. Um, I, I don't know how through grace of God, when I went to jail, my mother had to deal with me. My mother's very, very spiritual. She said, Ryan, I'll send you one of your gangster books, like whether it was black mass or whatever it was. And she said, but after that, but for your next tough guy book, I'm going to send you a spiritual book. You have to read it. I'm going to ask questions. Second book she sent me was feel the fear and do it anyways. It was about a woman who had breast cancer. Um, Susan Jaffrey, I think her name was, who wrote it. And anyways, it was geared towards women that had like struggles to overcome, but it spoke to me. I'm pretty feminine, so it worked. And I will tell you, that book, after that book, I never read another tough guy book again. Every book she mentioned in that book, I asked my mother to send me. And I started reading and training my mind. And then I'd read things and say, you fill your mind with good things and your visualization. Next thing you know, I just took off. Wow. Ryan, why did you get arrested in the first place? Was it for possession? I, I've had, I, I mean, I had a number of arrests. I mean, I'm talking like 15, 20 arrests. So I don't know. Um, there were possessions. There were assault batteries. One was an A and B on a cop. Okay. Um, I was very lucky. Like through recovery, I was able to go make amends to that cop. Um, I actually oh. bought lunch for that police department three weeks ago on my thank you Thursday. So it was, um, God, God works it, it out. Do you do it every Thursday or? Every Thursday. I started about eight weeks ago. We started by buying lunch for a floor of nurses and doctors at Mass General. And then, because they're on the front lines, then it was the Wolverine Police Department, because that's where I had all my arrests. And the chief now is the guy who used to arrest me so much, and we're close, close friend, personal friends now. Um, and then the week after that was Matt, um, we did uh, Market Basket, the people that work there, and then we, a few other uh, police departments. Just this, um, this past Thursday, we did Chelsea Police. So every Thursday, we do somewhere. Okay. Now, did you get clean in jail or did you go um, to a treatment program? Yeah, well, I got a little of both. So when I was in jail, they were going to they were gonna release me, uh, parole me. And I said to the judge, I said, Your Honor, if you send me back to the streets, you're going to see me again. But if you put me somewhere and let me go get treatment, she goes, well, to get treatment, you have to stay in jail till we get you in somewhere. I said, keep me locked wherever you need to, but don't let me out. So they did that. And um, the reason I kind of got the inspiration to do that was I was in the cell waiting to go. And my lawyer says to me, Ryan... Your father, excuse me, I don't know what that is, but he says, <laughs> the lawyer says to me, your father, is, you're killing your father, right? 
He said, you're killing him. So I said, okay. He said, your father, you're ripping his insides. My parents are good people. They didn't, I wasn't raised with drugs and alcohol around me. I wasn't raised with tough guy crap. I was raised by, my dad would always say, we don't have a lot of money, Ryan, but you know what? We have integrity. And he said, that's not who we are. And that motivated me. I said, God. So I said to the judge, Your Honor, please find me. So they put me in a treatment after that. It was 90 days locked in. It was kind of like a jail thing. And then after that, I said to her, if you give me that chance, I, you have my word. I will come back here. I will be clean and sober and I will pay it forward. She said, Mr. Skinner, I hope so. The day I was get on probation about to get off, she came in on a day off so she could be there when I got off. Wow. Everything changed 180 degrees. Wow. Yeah. It's a, it, that's always such a, 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 I think it's motivational for the people listening is like, at what point, you know, do, do people make that choice and make that decision? And it's, it's huge. And it's the action. You know, a guy told me once that there were two frogs on a lily pad and one made the decision to jump. How many were still on a lily pad? Two, because they didn't just get made the decision. It didn't. You have to take action. And the biggest action is not action. Like the hardest thing for me to, to learn was I don't have to do anything. I just have to let somebody else guide me. It's really hard recovery because you think, you know, for me, I'm looking at somebody now who sponsored me and, um, and saying, okay, this guy drove his life into the ground, but I'm going to hand the way into my life. And for whatever reason it works, God works through people, junkies like me to help other people. And, uh, right. Yeah. Right. How long have you been clean and sober, Ryan? Um, just about eight years, a little over. So wow. it's, uh, I, and that's just because I hit some bumps early on. You know, it's, it's been pretty It happens, good. yeah. But oh, well yeah, done. Definitely. Yeah. And so then you reconnected up with the lady of your life? The la- she the lady saw me on TV, uh, something I did for charity, and she just sent me a nice email. You know, I'm so happy to see you healthy. And I called her up. I thought usually when people reached out, it was because somebody in their life they knew was hurting. You know, when I get a phone call from somebody in my past, usually, hey, I have a friend who has a drug problem. Can you help me? Right. And, and that's okay with me. Um, and I said, yeah, it's, you know, I assumed it was somebody in her family. I said, so-and-so, is, can I help him? And she's like, oh, no, I just really was happy to see. So we had coffee uh, one day, and the, the first time we had coffee, it's funny, I was dating a few girls at the time. I called them all after that coffee and said, I'm all set. And I knew right then and there it was really, you know, it was crazy. She was it. Yeah, and I knew she was eight years ago, but I didn't think when I saw her all those years later, I feared I'd resent her or something from, you know, going down IA, whatever it was. But it's, it's weird, you know, it works out the way it's supposed to. Yep, exactly. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. For more information on our sponsor, Narcanon Ojai, visit their website at narcanonojai.org. That's N-A-R-C-O-N-O-N ojai.org or call 1-866-231-5924. That's 1-866-231-5924. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now 
to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. So what is it that you're doing now in terms, you, you gave us some information that you were doing like with the local police department, and, yeah. but what are you doing now to, in this area? Well, I do the thank you Thursday for folks on the front line every Thursday I buy lunch um, for a group of them. But more importantly to me is I, um, I'm, I'm involved in the HEAP program out of the Wuhan Courthouse, Heroin Education Awareness Task Force. And we work with like opioid addicts and help them to get treatment before jail, simply put. Um, and my, my true passion is I went back to the jail that I had been held in and I run a program on Friday mornings. Now, unfortunately, I can't do it right now because of the whole coronavirus thing. Um, to be honest with you, I'd be willing to sign a waiver. I, I miss it. But I, I had a blessing. So one of my guys got out a, a few years ago. When he got out, I, I always do the thing. If you go through my program at jail, I'll pay you first three months of your rent at a sober house. I'll buy you a cell phone prepaid and I'll get you a couple outfits of clothes. I'll get you on your feet. Wow. That's what I tell everyone. I'll be a three months out of me. And um, this guy ended up going off the deep end at one point, blah, blah, blah. Uh, when he got out, he always, I always had this cross that he liked, did a couple of diamonds in it on my necklace. So I gave it him when he got out. I said, I want you to have this. When he goes off the deep end, he's running, he's using coke, crack, whatever the hell he's using. And uh, so at one point, I got him to section himself. I said, if you, you're on probation. If you don't section yourself, my friend who's the chief's got to put you in jail. If you do that, he's down the Cape this weekend. We'll get you sectioned, and he'll have to lean off you. We did it. Next thing you know, he gets out, he's doing well, runs again. I said to him, buddy, they're going to put you in jail. I said, I love you, but they So they put him in jail. I saw him in jail. I talked to him for a few minutes. He's been out now. Now he's one of the guys that runs the sober house he's at. See, I made a picture the other day. He just got a, a car, got his license. And he never had a license. 35. He always drove illegally. He did, his family never had cars and stuff, you know. And he sent me a picture of his car. So I said to him, I said, oh, do you need help getting on the road? Like, you know, any money for insurance, anything I can do for you? He's like, brother, I listened to you. I paid cash for the car. I paid for the insurance. He's like, I'm good. And I was just so proud of him. Like, you know, and that's yeah. gives, my jail program is my real bread and butter. That's, that's me. That's my it. Wow. Just out of curiosity, are you not able to maybe do some aspect of it, like virtually? None. None. They oh. won't even let me do a Zoom. Um, I offered to pay for the computer system. And oh. there's so many rules because you have to be careful that somebody is in contact with somebody who has restraining or, you know, there's so many moving parts. Um, yeah. That stinks. That's the heart. For me, everybody else says these are the hard things. I'm like, I miss going to jail. That's yeah. my highlight of my week every Friday morning. Just pop it in there. You sound like a friends of a friend of ours who was a, who's a former addict who was in prison and he goes into prisons and talks about educates about drugs and so he says you know I spent all this time trying to get out and now I'm trying to get back in so you I, sound I always the tell same people, way yeah it's, well, it's not bad when you walk in you know you can walk out it's, it's a yeah. little different you know you're happy to go in if you know you can leave when you choose um, that's true but it's yeah it's that's my it like my wife always laughs she goes no matter how bad your week is that's your Friday morning you know your week's gonna end and I always leave there just flying. That's awesome. I love that. And you have a company. Is that a company you started after you got clean and sober? Or it's the same business, financial right? business? Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So what happened was before I used to have, I think it was Ryan Investments, Ryan Skinner. I don't even remember. I think it might be Ryan Skinner Investments. I can't remember. It was so foggy. When I got out, my sponsor said, hey, make God your business partner. So what do you think? Anything you do, bring God into it. Spirituality, you know? I said, all right, I could buy it. So he gave me a book, uh, Norman Pill, Power of Positive Thinking. So I read that book. And I kept going to this beach and reading the book every week. And it would say, make God your business partner. It would talk about how to do that. So but I'm going to try this. So I'm driving back. And I, I look up at the sign that I'm driving on the street. And it says, Summit Ave. So I was like, 
There it is. Summit Financial Partners. That's how it was born. Wow. And it's, and I, so I that's like that, though. Fun. Make God yeah. your business partner. What a great sure idea. For, and my clients know I'll say, I'll pray for you five minutes before you walk in the door because I want to make sure I put their needs before my own. It's very easy to be self-seeking and want to take care. You know, think about it. You're in the financial industry. You're there to make money. But if I could put their needs before my own, um, God takes care of the results. You know, the coronavirus, mm-hmm. everybody else had to lay people off and everything else. I just kept telling people, God, my mom would always tell me, God didn't carry this far, drop you on your head. And that's how, that's how I end every prayer, everything I do. I, I, my daughter laughs. I say, all right, God didn't carry this five drop us out. And it's true. That's awesome. You know, Steve mentioned something to me before we, um, before you got on the line and that I thought would be interesting to hear about um, dead men on vacation. Oh, yeah. So um, we started an AA meeting at my house. Uh, kind of an offshoot of it. It wasn't formally a, it was just a group of guys that were from recovery and we just named it dead men on vacation. Cause I, frankly, it feels like every day is a vacation. I mean, my bad days and I've had some bad days because in this day and age, um, there are still people from the state employee, uh, federal state employees that they judge, you know, they, uh, they come down, they try to make an example of me. They, people have a hard time accepting that you're different. Um, mm-hmm. But I always say like, whenever I run up against somebody like that, and I say, God will handle it, and God does. It might take a few months of discomfort, but whoever it is is trying to come down on me with some nonsense. I always overcome it because you live the right way, and God takes care of you. And that's how that meeting started, with just a bunch of guys who just live the right way, and it's pretty cool. How, how many come? Um, well, not, it used to be like a handful at my house. Now it's actually a formal meeting in the book of AA. Oh, wow. So it's um, wow. yeah, it's it's funny. My sponsor Billy and I started in my home, and now if you go online and search for AA meetings on Wednesday night, it's there. Um, so now it's more of an hour meeting than like a media small meeting, but, um, I still do a meeting usually like once a week, I'll pick up media at my house, but it's on the Sunday morning or out by the fire on weekends that the churches are, we used to take my kids to church on Sundays, you know, just to kind of give them a basis of God. And so then it wouldn't be me. It would either be before that on Sundays or Sunday nights. But You know, I think that's huge because I think that one of the things that happens sometimes often when um, someone who's been addicted gets clean and sober, they need some kind of a support group. And so you're offering that as a as an option, which I think is very cool. Yeah, no, but I, I don't believe I can't say nobody, but I can't walk this path alone. And if I do, you know what? Like for a while, a couple of years, probably about three or four years ago, I was rocking and rolling in business. I wasn't going to many meetings. I was just like, hey, I've got this. You know, I'm trying to rebuild my life. I just got back with Amanda and things. But then it hit me. I'm like, you know what? Like this is a self-seeking way. I do have this, this, and this goal for me. But it started feeling empty. So I reached out to the guy that just said, you got to get me back in there. And then I, next thing you knew, I started doing the stuff outside of me. And that's where you get fulfillment. That's why I said earlier, like the cars and the house and stuff, it's nice to have a home. It's nice to have a couple of cars um, so my wife and I can get to work and whatnot. But the, the joy is like being connected with other people. And we know that yeah. nowadays more than ever. Yeah, I think I think it's huge. And so often when we interview someone, um, most of the people that we interview, you know, after they get clean and sober, they, they want to give back and they want to connect up with other people and they want to help other people. And I think that that's, you know, that's just basic for most of us. And so I think you're definitely definitely doing that how many kids do you have ryan i have two um so my oldest you know i always say it's my daughter technically it's my stepdaughter but when amanda and i got back together i got kennedy and uh she's just tremendous and my attitude is if, if i'm the person who tucks you in every night says your prayers and does your ponytail and takes you to school i'm your dad um and that's nothing against her dad but i'm just the one you know i'm really involved she and i have a tremendous relationship she now meditates every night with me. So we do our oh, meditation. Wow. Yeah, she's cute. And then I just, uh, through the grace of God, it took us years of fertility and headaches and this and that. But my wife and I have Dylan, who's just under six months. She'll be six months tomorrow. 
Wow. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's cool. Yeah. And my wife, because she got called in today as a nurse, I'm home. I'm like, all right. And so there are a couple of days a week I work from home where I'm running the girls business and everything else. But wow. I love that. Awesome. Ryan, if there was one message that you would give, you know, our listeners, um, you know, about addiction or getting treatment or what have you, what would that be? I think the biggest thing would be that there's no shame. Like you, you may, you know, it's not who you are. You, you know, I always say my past doesn't define me. It strengthens me. You can come out of this story. The story is nothing more than the story. It's not who you are. And you deserve better. You just deserve better. And there are ways out there. Are people who give a damn. There are people who will help you. And, um, and they want nothing in return. I, it, made, it made no sense to me. You know, there are those of us out there that will do anything we can for you. And all we ask is you pay it forward after. That's awesome. I think that's, that's a great message. Ryan, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast episode this week. I enjoyed hearing Ryan's story, and I hope that there was something in his story that helped you. Whether you are an addict, whether you are a recovered addict, whether you are friends and family of someone who's addicted, these stories are all meant to inspire you to continue with your sobriety or to get help if you need it to get clean and sober. That's what we're all about. There's help available. There's hope. I know that it can seem hopeless when you or a loved one is addicted, but there is hope available. And that's what this podcast is all about. We want you to know that there's hope and there's help available. Steve and I, Steve Siegel, the producer of the podcast, just did a brand new welcome and update video, which you can find on YouTube. And there's also audio wherever you listen to podcasts. We felt that after three years of podcasting, we'd come so far, we wanted to give you an update. And if you want to see what Steve looks like, definitely watch our video. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a good rating so that more people will find us. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel and give our videos a thumbs up. The whole point is to let people know that there is help available and hope. And the more that we get listeners and subscribers, the more people will find us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We'll be back again next week. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, sponsored by Narconon Ojai. For more information on Narconon Ojai, call 866-231-5924 or visit www.narcononojai.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard.